Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the City SC Report. My name is Steve, and as always, my co-host Joe is here with me. Hey, Joe. Hey, everybody. And once again, we have the pleasure of having Mr. Matt Baker with us. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well, Steve. Always happy to be here with you guys. Cool, man. Thanks. Before we begin, I want to give a little special shout out to Maddie Z, who's uh, going through a little bit of medical issues right now. So we just want to wish him a speedy recovery. Matt, get well soon, and hopefully we'll hear from you again soon. All right, guys. Thanks for spending your Sunday afternoon with me here. We have a few things to chat about today. First of all, how great is it to have more city-related topics to talk about? It seems like with the academy matches in full swing, the new city hires and other news, things are happening and just really starting to amp up more and more. I don't know about you, but I'm sure we'll have some slow times this winter uh, after the MLS Next matches wrap up at the end of November. We'll have a few months before they pick back up in March, but uh, who knows? Um, it's kind of hard to tell. It's pretty awesome because the it, it's enabled a weekly article just to do a regular recap of what they've been doing. And I find myself having so much content to talk about and discuss that they've been involved in that the Academy matches are almost an afterthought. I, it just it has to be, oh yeah, the Academy played this week. I need to make sure to cover them in addition to all the different hires and community involvement and just everything they're doing on the sporting side. It it really seems like we're in the thick of things building, even though we have just under a year and a half left. Now imagine right. what it's going to feel like next year when we have first team signings going on with this. That's when it's going to get really interesting is, uh, is constantly looking at the roster building. Really exciting too. Yeah. Recently, Dan Sweeney had an interview with Dennis Moore, the chief revenue officer for City SC. If you don't know, Dan Sweeney's an associate professor of sport management at Lindenwood University, and he hosts this um, professional development podcast called At The Wire. Side note, he was also the stadium announcer for St. Louis FC for all six seasons, which is pretty cool. He's a big soccer fan. So anyway, in this interview uh, with Dennis, who, if you don't know, just briefly, he actually came from a career in the NFL to St. Louis. Uh, he was with the Ravens and then he was with the Broncos for 17 years uh, before he decided to uh, take on a new challenge. And he was also the first hire outside of uh, the ownership group for St. Louis City SC. But anyway, it was a, it was a great interview, but um, key points I took away, and uh, this is my primary reason I'm bringing this up, is Dennis said he wants to keep a steady stream of interest. And he also said in the interview that his vision is, this is personal. Now, what that means is he noted that they've, they've had a huge success on sponsorship side. Um, kit sponsor, of course, with Purina, training facility, uh, sponsor Jersey Patch, a lot of other significant sponsors that have not been announced yet. So in his words, he said he's struggling to find windows to fit them into. Uh, so these announcements are definitely coming soon within the next few months. And uh, I just thought that was really interesting because and exciting because that totally fits in. We're going to hear a lot more and maybe they are waiting until the MLS next season starts to slow down. 
Uh, I did listen to that interview. I listened to him talking about it. I thought that was interesting that he talked about there's not going to be dead times in the announcements that they, they are scheduling them out, which is great because, I mean, that's what all of us want as fans. I also thought it was interesting the way he, he seemed to think that the pushing everything back a year due to COVID really did help with all of that, with the actual organizational building end, with giving them time to get all of their stuff from all of the, the marketing and ticketing and stadium detail kind of end to hear how much he was happy with that extra year. Obviously we as fans, I would love to see the team kicking off in 2022, but if they can get it right, I would rather wait a year and not see this team thrown together, putting a terrible product on the field, playing, you know, in a terrible facility, trying to play games in a baseball stadium and saying, we'll build the stadium eventually and trying to, you know, going winless through a whole bunch of games. I, I would, I, I'm looking forward to them doing it right. So I hope he is correct in all that. Isn't it interesting that he commented about trying to find windows to release information? And it made me remember all of the different hires that City has and how interconnected each one seems to be, where Dennis is the CRO, he's the revenue guy, the chief revenue officer. I would have, uh, I would have figured that the the release of information uh, to the fans would have been more under the purview of like uh, a Matt Seebeck with uh, experience mm -hmm. in marketing and content mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. So I think of the work that Dennis is doing, slotting in the uh, forward-facing release of all that information publicly, uh, whereas most of his work is more individual, behind-the-scenes, ticket-related. That's the focus. So he he's probably working pretty closely with Seebeck on a lot of the, the information that's disseminated. So the windows he's talking about, I can only imagine, are related to um, everything else that City has in the pipeline. And I think back to just this past week when John Hackworth was announced, and, and I have no doubt we'll talk about that in a minute, but mm -hmm. we know that that has been locked down for quite a while. The Athletic article that um, detailed and, and kind of leaked the information was initially published back in, I believe, July. Uh, so that that's been something that has been that's occurred behind the scenes and similar to what Dennis was saying of the sponsorship announcements they've locked it down and then they're waiting to release it to the public for the right time or to get uh content around it for sponsorships maybe it's you want to have these events like we saw with together credit uh, where they have that press conference and so there's probably more to it than just oh, do we want to release it on this Wednesday or next Wednesday it's can we get um, can we get all of the the necessary logistics to have an event around it, or what kind of event makes sense for the specific sponsorship? Like if it's a training facility announcement, do we want to wait for the training facility to be completed? And as part of the groundbreak or as part of the completion ceremony, you name it, or is it something like that where there's an event around it? I, so I find I find that speaks directly to what we were mentioning of potential downtimes, especially this winter, where we're focused a lot on the now on the field activities with the academy they might be solving our problem right there of things to talk about where they're sequencing it so that there really isn't any downtimes one way or another, whether it's off the field or on the field. Well, and you'd have to think that the revenue officer, that his, his announcements, the things that are directly falling under him and not under game day experience, are going to be a little bit front-loaded. We still don't know the stadium naming rights. We still don't know, you know, I don't know to what extent he's involved in things like kit releases, but I know he said that that's not going to happen until next year. So he is at least aware of that. That's, you know, the marketing and the big, you know, those kind of things. 
I, I think he's definitely going to be there through all of that. And then the some of the more detailed, you know, game day things would fall under the the experience officer, maybe, and they can spread those out too. I do want to know what vendors are going to be there in the stadium. Mm -hmm. You know, they talk about the food and the the beer vendors, and each of those is its own announcement. It's going to keep it interesting. The the concept Definitely. that they're so they're so stocked up on sponsorships it harkens back to before we were awarded an MLS franchise. There were talks of will the St. Louis business community support the club. It was off the heels of the Rams, and there was a lot of um, uncertainty and a lot of getting down on the city. So that was, for some reason or another, that was the talking point of will will the business community rally? And then you had the news of that luncheon that Garber came to, and uh, the Taylors kind of rallied the support, and they showed just the entire community was willing to ready and willing to jump in and now we're hearing the fruits of that labor where it's not just uh it's not just words it's not just promises but they've had pen to paper and so we're we're about to see the proof of all that work and i think it speaks to what the i, I believe you mentioned this in the interview as well where half the staff right now they've got about 50 or so people on their staff and half of them are ticketing or sponsorship related so Right. Joe, to your point, they they front-loaded all of that. I mean, that's what they focused on. And with Dennis being the first non-owner hire, that has been their MO from day one. Stressing that he also talked about getting to do all of that stuff and build it from scratch is why he's here. That I mean, He's not a guy mm -hmm. with a soccer background. He didn't, and he said he wasn't even looking for this job. He was talked into this job. He was looking around, seeing, you know, what was out there. And and that his first response was, well, you know, I'm not a soccer guy, but then he, saying that he realized how rare it is to get to build a a top flight new franchise in any major league sport in the United States that you don't get to just come and walk in and build it from the ground up. Uh, obviously, he didn't, you know, working in Denver, working in Baltimore, you know, he's in an organization uh, and here he could actually you know, help create something and that what an exciting challenge that was from his end. Um, I thought that was interesting. I always think when you mention that of people being drawn to this, the, these positions and to this club because of the unique opportunity, because it's from the ground up and you don't get that opportunity in sports. Like we're pretty saturated as mm -hmm. far as expansion franchises, even in MLS, uh, which is on the newer cusp of all of the different leagues. Like you're these opportunities are running out and especially right. to start it from the ground up as opposed to uh, where FCC, uh, FC Cincinnati just kind of built theirs, Nashville bit, built theirs from USL. I, I think of it as a, it, I don't even know how to think of it positively or negatively. It's just uh, a thought of back in the STLFC days where we were hoping that that club would be more or less promoted to MLS. I just wonder what, how that would have turned out. I'm sure we would have gotten good mm -hmm. people but these people who are specifically excited and have all of this background and history and are, are succeeding so far would not have been drawn to that type of an opportunity. So it's, it always, it's always an interesting thought when I think of it as described of uh, this is one of the most unique opportunities in all sports. Exactly. Um, he did mention, too, I didn't say this when I was first describing his interview. He did say naming rights, and I'm sure that relates to the stadium uh, i'm not sure what else naming rights could mean that's so that, that could yeah so that that's that's definitely coming as well um so all you listeners i encourage you if you haven't listened to the interview it's on our facebook page again it's it's the uh 
Dan Sweeney's um, At The Wire episode where he interviews Dennis Moore, the Chief Revenue Officer for St. Louis City SC. One thing, too, that I think bears calling mm -hmm. out is when Dennis was first hired um, back when St. Louis FC was still playing, we had a tailgate for the Luligans, and Dennis came to it. He was not just the first right. hire, uh, but he was invited by uh, Mitch and Brad and Sarah, and he came. And he mingled with everybody. He was shown around. He was impressed by what the Luligans were doing. So he he's he's the kind of guy who's going to be out there with people. He wants to experience it. He wants to see it. And he had nothing but positive things to say about that event, that experience that he had uh, at our tailgate. So I thought that was really cool that exactly. he came out as one of the first things he did. And his his hire wasn't publicized heavily. It was just right. he was hired. And yep. for him to come out and, and be amongst everybody and just experience it all was really cool to see. Yeah, he's doing a great job and has a great vision. He, he, and that, that's another thing he said in the interview, too. He said a key was vision is this is this is personal. And they did outreach and understanding before the first t tickets are even sold. And that carried through the whole club. And that really spoke volumes to him. Um, one thing he also mentioned, which is important, well, important to us diehard fans who love stuff like this. He said um, the kit will be released to the public October of 2022. Uh, he said they wish, wish they could release it sooner, but it's just not possible with Adidas and all kinds of other factors. Which lines that. up with so. the, the Adidas kit runway that we've talked about before. There is a, right. another athletic article that detailed the, the timelines they have. And if you want to have an actual kit developed that didn't rely on the template as much and had some creativity and uniqueness to it, there was that two-year runway that really COVID allowed for. So that, that lines up with that, too. So it also keeps have... it from stomping on it keeps it from stomping on teams' announcements for next year. Teams who want to maybe mix up their 2022 kit are not going to be yep. wanting to fight for bandwidth, uh, you know, with some team that's not even playing for another year. So I'm sure, from a marketing standpoint, MLS wants to uh, keep those in kind of separate parts of the year. I would imagine. But on on a, his own personal level, he realizes that one, they're missing out on revenue. <laughs> by selling these kits because you know they would sell. Um, and two, it's that whole excitement thing. He wants to keep that keep that going as well. Recent announcements. Let's talk about some of these recent announcements. The first major one I'll hit on is the hiring of Coach Beard, Mr. John Hackworth, as the club's director of coaching. He was, yeah, officially announced as our club's first director of coaching. I was thinking about, is this is this a position that, most teams hold i personally don't know an mls or is this something that we kind of made up I, I honestly don't know off the top of my head because it's it does seem that his duties overlap to a large degree with lutz fanishiel as as the sporting director i'm i'm still a little unclear myself on on the division of labor between the two of them right now without much of a staff developed beyond the academy there's a whole lot of overlap and it's almost like a, a partnership filling a lot of the same areas. However, I see more of a benefit to Hackworth's position when we have our reserve squad, when we have the other two yeah. levels of the academy, the 14s and 15s. So next year, we're going to start, he'll probably start to see a lot more um, different responsibilities from Lutz. They do overlap in a sense, though, because at, at its most basic level, the director of coaching is responsible for that 
alignment of philosophy and making sure that what the 14s and 15s are being taught really flows directly to what the reserve squad and what the MLS team are being taught and what they're doing on the field. So there's no difference in philosophies. It's it will. So if you're taking a 14 year old, it would be a seamless transition as they rise through the ranks and eventually get to the pro squad. But I, I think as Hackworth's supposed focus is on the coaches, his the, another news thing that happened is San Jose City had their own podcast start the city voice. And one thing he mentioned on that, which he was the first guest, is um, his role in roster building. So director of coaching, yes. Um, but I think there's also going to be a level of scouting that seems to come with that where he's going to. And, and it speaks to the fact that we don't have anything beyond the 17s right now. He's probably knee deep with Lutz in identifying who's going to be on our reserve squad roster that kicks off in March. They have to have names and ideas for that, um, and especially over the next few months. And with him in his role since potentially July, just behind the scenes, I have no doubt that while he's working on the coaching curriculum and, and all of that, and as they identify coaches for the reserve squad and MLS too, um, he's working on that that recruitment and roster building. So there's a ton to do, and it, it is also a little bit heartening that there's a ton to do, and Lutz has a right-hand man, so to speak, to do that with now. But also, his title is not general manager or director of scouting. So the fact that he is in all of these things makes me wonder, are there going to be layers? Is there going to be a director of scouting who's going to report to Hackworth eventually here? Is there going to be a director of the youth teams who is going to be reporting to Hackworth and, and seeing? I've realized all this is a little bit more behind the scenes than the average fan maybe wants to to get, but seeing how those pieces fit together, I'm I'm still not sure who's going to end up being responsible for what as they continue to build out that front office. I kind of figure that it will evolve as they hire more people too. So I would not expect a director of scouting eventually to report to Hackworth as director of coaching. I would expect the scouting director to report to Lutz. So just as Lutz has filled so many roles being one of the only sporting uh, personnel, I think as the others are hired on, Hackworth may be helping to build the roster now. He may be helping with coaching, maybe helping with scouting. But as you hire directors and people to focus on those other areas, similar to Lutz spinning off some of his work to Hack, um, I assume that we'll see a little more dedication to those other areas when that role is specifically filled. And I've heard a lot of speculation from fans about wondering if he transitions into more of a direct coaching role over time, whether, you know, director of coaching might be a role right now, but seeing what he is doing with the reserve team next year, what he is doing with the first team the year after, trying to see if maybe this is a, I don't know, a transitional role. I'm hearing a, a lot of fans wondering out loud about that. So Hackworth was quoted as saying, I'm going to be mainly responsible in assisting Lutz in literally every facet of building this club. So take that, given his background, given where he just came from, yeah, there's a lot of suspicion that this is part of a long-term plan. Perhaps he does go to the uh, more of a coaching role with the lower division league that starts next season, or maybe that's a holder too for you know the, the first team being... I'm not necessarily sure it'd be a head coach, but possibly assistant coach for the first team. I look at his resume. So I included a lot of his resume in my article this past week. Mm -hmm. And I see that trajectory where he has a lot of national team experience as 
the head coach of a 15, a 17 squad, uh, as an assistant to the main squad. Um, he has a lot of experience. He has experience starting up his own squad or his own uh, MLS expansion franchise with the Philadelphia Union. He was with that group when they first started. So the notion of being with a club that is starting from the ground up is not foreign to him. Um, I think that he brings a lot of experience from that in particular. And he mentioned that in his interview with Pete Wood on the City Voice. And then, so you you see that trajectory of the union in 2012, 2014, mm-hmm. uh, going back to the national team, going to Lou City. So he's a second division head coach, uh, championship winning second division head coach. And then he he joins us. So he's done all of that. He's been a head coach in MLS. I, I would I see this role as higher level obviously than just the head coach but he i don't think he would have taken this role to be that just be the head coach uh when all is said and done of the reserve squad i don't think he would right. have taken this to be necessarily just an assistant in the mls uh, main squad so what whatever it ends up evolving into i wouldn't expect this to transition directly to that maybe it would encompass it. So it's possible Mm -hmm. that the reserve head coach position, in addition to whatever else he's doing. uh, But I I see this as part of his like evolution into he's, he's been a coach everywhere and now coaching the coaches and whatever else that entails. I do want to, I want to pause for just a second though. Yeah. For some, with some constructive criticism for St. Louis city, because they're talking about how Hackworth got interviewed on their new kind of a podcast feature on their app. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to understand what a podcast is, because if you're going to build a podcast feature into your app and you're going to have conversations that are a half hour or an hour long, it can't be something that people have to sit and keep the video turned on on their phone. Um, that is not what how a podcast works. They don't currently set up to where you can just turn the screen off, put your phone in your pocket and have your headphones right. going and continue to listen to the conversation. I personally, I like running. I'll put on a podcast. I'll go for a nice long run and listen to the conversation while I go. And so far they've dropped two episodes. Both of them are formatted differently electronically and neither of them actually play with your phone screen turned off and your phone moving. They need to actually just release it on a podcast platform if that's what they want to do. And if not, they need to maybe rethink what, you know, there's a big difference between a, a three minute video clip that I want to watch on their app and a 30 or 40 minute conversation that I'm not going to sit and stare at my phone for that long. It's a terribly minor thing for a large professional sporting organization, but, but somebody in their office is working at that and, uh, you know, should just probably get on that. And I have no idea who that is. I don't know how that works for them. I'm right. You know, <laughs> Tweet at Matt Seebeck or tweet at Peter Wood. They they would mm-hmm. be able to help with that. And I I love that you said that because I was in the exact same boat where the first episode released and I I watched the the trailer for it and I was like okay perfect I'll just I'll just pop this in my my running belt and I'll just go for a run and listen to it. And the minute I tried to leave my desk, it just stopped. And so from an experience perspective, I was uh, a little let down. <laughs> I had the sad face for sure as I realized I needed to rethink my afternoon listening plans. Let's talk about the academy team. They played this weekend. The U-17s played two matches. This is according to the wonderful stats provided to me by Mr. Keith Smith and Mr. Matt Baker. They played October the Saturday and today. Uh, they drew against Cincinnati 1-1, and today they lost to Columbus Crew 3-1. They're obviously still out there just building, getting experience. 
to date, they've won three matches, have lost four, and have drawn one. So that gives them 10 points. They're coming up. They've got a four-match homestand from October 16th through the end of the month. So be sure to get there out there for sure um, against Dallas, whoever Michigan Wolves are, some team called Varder, and Sporting Kansas City. Guys, what do you want to talk about for the academy? There's there's a lot to um, a lot to discuss. I haven't even mentioned their U16 team, although that's a, that's a little bit harder. It seems to track. Um, yeah, exactly they, did, uh, they did win today. The U16s uh, beat Columbus. Did they? Great. Yeah. Or was it Dallas this. also? Uh, the 16s beat Columbus uh, four to nothing today. Okay. And they had their first. So the 16s are probably easier to talk about just because they haven't really had a league match in a few weeks. Um, they're they're basically tagging along with the 17s and doing friendlies, um, mm-hmm. non-official matches before, after, or during. So so they've been getting playtime. They've been getting experience. And I think the most there's two noteworthy things for the 16s. One is you you hate to really look too much at stats for academy matches or these guys are teenagers and but we're sports fans and and we like but we're sports fans (laughs) and we know that the star of the u.s men's national team is an 18 year old product from an mls academy so we're gonna do it i mean jackson delkis is killing it for the 16s he is up to 12 goals before this weekend uh in all competitions and i mean this which is wild and he's i think he started every match um, you know, some, there, I mean, there have been some stars of that team so far, and the team itself has played really, really well. Um, they are, I think, seven and one in all competitions, three and zero oh in league awesome. play, four and one in in friendlies, and their one loss in friendlies was yesterday against FC Cincinnati, where, judging from some comments that the club made and from some of the parents. They didn't play a team of U16s. They played, oh. a, they played a team that I don't know if it was, and it was a friendly, so it, it wasn't a league play. I'm sure the rules mm-hmm. are different. Maybe there are no rules. Maybe it was just a gentleman's agreement between coaches. But it, it sounded like they got some experience against some 19, 20-year-olds, maybe some 17s who just needed some more minutes from some of their other squads. And so that is that great. That's great experience for them. That's what you yeah. need at this mm-hmm. level. Sometimes yeah. you have to play, especially if they've been winning games like the U16s have. You need to play people who outclass you to to better your game, and, uh, and that's great to see. Actually, I would like to. You know, I, I have no problem with uh, with a gentleman's agreement. You know, in a non-league match to, you know, to get them some experience against guys who are a couple of years older. Yeah, exactly. so it's one because of those. It's not you don't want to get bogged down in stats, but you do want to. You want to follow them because we're looking for development. It's not about, yeah. you know, exact goal numbers. It's not about exact records. Right. But if you can see how well they hold their own against some guys who are a little older or see are they improving their gameplay from game to game, like those are the things that are important. This is building, you know, a club from the ground up. And I will I will call out 12 goals in, what, seven matches all day long because it's it's absurd and incredible. But at the end of the day, you're, that's completely it, Joe. It's the fact that we want to see who's developing the best, who's getting right. minutes, and who's getting uh, consistent starts, because that yes. gives us as good of an insight as we can with a lack of, of information in a lot of ways being released for these games and video available. We, we have to kind of scrape what we can. And who's starting 
and who's playing the most minutes, that that's kind of an indicator of who the coaches trust, who is performing well in practice. And ultimately, that's the kind of thing that we can use to take educated guesses on who is going to be moving up to the next level when available. Like, so next year, which of the 16s are going to play for the U17 squad? Um, and especially as we get ready to turn into the MLS Reserve League, who from these two squads are going to be tapped to play for that team? And I, I, I will say, um, mark your calendars for November 13th. Let's all try to get out to Soccer Park mm-hmm. because both U16 and U17 teams play St. Louis Scott Gallagher. And I think that's just going to be a fun back-to-back doubleheader from 5 p.m. until 9 or 9.30 that uh, we might not want to miss, you know? St. Louis Derby. Yeah, exactly. And and honestly, no matter who even wins in those games, that's uh, that's St. Louis kids who you hope are playing yeah. uh, somewhere at the next higher level. I'd love seeing St. Louis products, you know, moving on. For sure. Anything else we want to talk about the academy on? We can touch on the 17s. So we talked a little bit about the 16s. And so the 17s had a stretch of, of losses. But again, you don't want to harp too much on the score at the end of the day. You want to, you want to look at um, kind of maybe how they allowed goals. You want to look at who individually is performing well. Uh, you want to look at whether or not their, their formations are, are good. They're keeping to what the coaches want to see out of them. So every, every match day we seem to get from the team kind of a, a coach's list of what they're looking for, what their top three priorities are. So I'm, I'm always interested in that before and after of how well they stuck to the game plan or what, what lessons learned. Uh, one of them seems to be the 17s like to allow a goal early and, and come from behind and make things interesting. Um, not always, but there's been a handful of matches where that's been the case. And I think as they return home, they've performed really well at home. There's no doubt about that. So I think uh, when it comes to results, we're probably going to, I'm hoping to see uh, a good string of games here upcoming. And I think for me, one of the most exciting things about the 17s, and I'll probably mention this over and over, is what is next on the horizon for the 17s. So they have a really deep roster. I think there's 28 kids on that roster. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kids on the 17s. And so in, in conversations with friends, it seems like it's, they're getting ready for the reserve squad and we can see. So I mentioned using game started and minutes played as an indicator mm-hmm. of who might be ready. We can see a core group of the U 17s that are consistently playing. Heck, the today was the first day that Josh Mayer and Jacob Lucinen did not start and were this far oh, really? in the season. Yeah, so just those two alone um, have started every game before today. And and you could also look at the fact that they played back-to-back league games as one of the reasons why they might not. That's have a good point. And Jacob has led our team in goals for all those stat people out there. Yeah, and so those those two, there's a, there's a handful of others that I, I think I've talked about in my article, but that... Those are the kinds of players, yeah. So it's Nathan Yao, Anthony Falpel, Miguel Perez, Aaron Hurd, Fritz Vollmer, and Caden Glover, uh, and Owen Spore. Th- those kinds of those those kids who have started the most games, played the most minutes. If I were to make an educated guess, it, I would think that they're prepping for most or all of these players to move up to the reserve squad. You know, if they continue to show that they're ready for it, Caden Glover in in particular is playing two years ahead of his age group. 
So he's wow. He he should be on the well. He the fifteens if we had one, but he's playing at such a high level for for his age. He'll he'll be interesting to watch, and he's a forward, so he's exciting as well. But I, I that's those are the kinds of takeaways that I see from these games. We don't get a whole lot of updates from the club on away matches in particular. Home matches are a different story, and and but away matches, it's we try to make educated guesses about the information that we can see. And like I said, guys, for all you listeners, um, next four games are all at home. Next Saturday is versus FC Dallas, 9 a.m. Oh, and home, by the way, is Creevecore. Uh, what's it called? Creevecore Soccer Park? Complex. Soccer Complex? Complex. There you go. Complex. Okay, really quick. Other worth uh, mentionings, um, as we kind of uh, mentioned before, the city released their app. Um, if you don't have it yet, it's available both through Apple and Google. Supporter section tickets go on sale October 19th. They'll be available in Windows according to when you put down your deposit. Uh, make sure you're set up on the SeatGeek and St. Louis City SC account. Just a reminder, they're $391 for the season. Your deposit does come out of that total, which is $23 per game um, on an average there. Any questions, reach out to Caleb. He's the ticket sales and service manager. Let's see. Also, last week, ticket reps started uh, reaching out to those interested in general reserve seating. Those tickets will go on sale spring of next year, which, although it sounds like a, a long time, it's really only, what, five to six months from now. It goes back to that. I, li I like that they're doing this. I think it's just another sign of what Dennis said. This is personal thing where it's telling the fans that aren't sitting in the supporters section that they are just as important and that your time is coming instead of just leaving them in the dark. I think ticket sales make it feel more real. I think that's the most important thing is uh, I'm excited to have a ticket and know that I'm going to games. That's yeah, that's my birthday week. So I'm, like, I'm sure they did that just for you. Happy oh, birthday. Probably Steve. have, some, have a chance to pay us uh, $400 for a ticket. That's the way you, I like you, it. you get the opportunity to have. I'm sure they'll have a badge in the app for a season ticket. So that's that's your real birthday present. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, talking about our website really quick. I, I just mentioned before that Keith and Matt have been keeping tabs and some stats on the academy teams, which we really appreciate. We do have some of it up on our website. Uh, it's out of date right now, unfortunately. So I do need to update it. But in case you're curious, um, we put the schedule and results and roster and uh, kind of how they're doing the stats so far of what we know. Uh, talking about our website, we've been generating a lot of original content lately, these last couple of weeks especially. I'm um, going to try to keep that up. Uh, our website still needs a little work, but it'll get there eventually, I think. Admittedly, it, it still lacks that professional look that I would really like for it to have. All I can say is we're working on it. Just read the content for what it is for now because it is pretty good, in my opinion. Um, and it's not going to stop us from from writing new columns. Hopefully most of you have had a chance to read those. Uh, we try to treat, tweet them out. And again, Matt Baker primarily runs our Twitter page, and he's doing a really good job of keeping up with that. But uh, if you want to find those articles, columns, whatever, you can visit the website itself, cityscreport.com. Or like I said, go through the Twitter, find those links, or our Facebook page. Do you think it's cool on the website front that we, I could be wrong on this, and maybe I'm just not looking in the right places, but we seem to be one of the few places, if not the only place, with 
not just often, uh, like every every day, every other day, every week, but just city coverage. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. And I think it it's really cool that it's from a fan's perspective. You know, we're we're going to be the fanatics to an extent, but it's it's legitimate news too and information. So it's not just um, rah rah. We can't. We're so excited for the team, but it's right. The stuff that is out on the website is useful information to keep up to date on the team. Like it, it's not yet. I mean, you never know what could happen. It's not up to the Ben Hawkman and Ben Fred qualities of professional reporters by any means. Mm. But I think it it just gives people an avenue to stay up to date about what's going on with the team beyond what the team themselves are putting out. And the team prides themselves on a lot of great content and keeping the fans engaged. But I think it is it's going to be if not already, really important to have these kinds of places as more crop up um, where you can get third party or fans perspectives and thoughts that are a little more unfiltered and maybe honest. Because We've been, in my opinion, pretty lucky to have had a pretty smooth path towards everything that's going on, but invariably something will happen where you need to criticize a little bit. And so that slant will be possible and, and visible on our website. And it's, I think it's good to have that. And, I ho- I actually hope to see more of that around, but I think we're a pretty fantastic centralized place to get a lot of that information. <laughs> I know that some of the European soccer teams that I follow, some of the best, uh, the places I get most of my information are the Twitter feeds of, of podcasts from over there because you do want to know what the team officially is saying, but you do need it from somebody who can, who's allowed to criticize the league in ways that the team, the team isn't allowed to question in public what MLS is doing. The team isn't allowed to question in public, you know, what other franchises are doing. That's not their job, uh, you know, but it can sometimes be ours. You know, we can both talk about good hires here and then also get to stories like we haven't yet mentioned that uh, Charlotte FC are starting their own reality competition. They're gonna have a reality <laughs> TV show next year. Thought we were gonna make it through the whole episode without mentioning. <laughs> we that. almost oh. made it, but we can't. We can't possibly have a podcast this week and not make fun of That's... another new franchise that has decided that the route to respectability in the top flight is to give away a roster spot to a guy who doesn't get the the last man voted off of a reality TV show. Um, well, to that be is fair, just a, an absurd thing to do. To be fair, I mean the panel of judges will include celebrity fans. So how how can you how can you not have them be authentic and legitimate when celebrity fans are helping to pick a roster spot on the main team? So and we being be Charlotte, fan, that sounds Charlotte deep. is the um, the home of NASCAR. So I would probably guess there's a couple of NASCAR drivers included in there somewhere. I don't know. Maybe they'll just get Panther uh, players. I mean, I I'm not sure where they're. I, I know that they are supposed to have you know. That said some of these are going to be judges and people who are actually, you know, famous soccer people. But I mean, the idea of judges and voting people off as your route to building a uh, a professional roster seems uh, it just seems embarrassing. I just feel bad for their fans. I, I can't imagine trying to defend that to out of town fans if if St. Louis City went that route. So let's let's hope that well, ours don't go quite that uh Wild. One of the things that they mentioned is that they were going to like search the globe for and give give an opportunity to. So from a conceptual point of view, like so they're they're trying to identify people who might not or at least what they're saying is identify people who might not have an opportunity to be scouted or to to play for an academy and get signed or they're not they don't mm-hmm. have visibility. But a that's implying that 
the Charlotte FC scouting department can find things that global soccer uh, clubs can't find, which is absurd. Um, yes. Don't think too highly of yourself in that regard. But also, if you're going to sign and include international players in your reality show, then you're not only giving a roster spot uh, to a reality show winner, but you're using up an international roster spot, which is pretty valuable in MLS roster building. There are a lot of layers yeah, to this. Yeah, if, if you totally. need a show, if you need a show to do your scouting department's job for you, then I really question that your scouts and your academy and and everything else that that came before it. I'm just waiting for the the chief casting officer to be hired. <laughs> well, because that's the other problem. I, does that mean that you've got to go for guys who are marketable, guys who look good on TV, guys who are going to sound good in an interview? Is that really your priority for a roster spot? Is you know people who look good and are well spoken? I, I would really hope that it's the the footballing concerns would be your main thing. Uh, and so I just, it's just sad to see uh, a franchise going that route. And I definitely feel that it's worth bringing up on our podcast to to make fun of them a little bit for it. I think that's fair game. Do we know, do like- is this, is this going to be a YouTube thing only or on their website only, or is it mm. actual? I, I would no, be shocked if, I would be shocked know? if they did that because MGM is their partner. Oh, yeah, it? this is a Mark Mark Burnett production. The guy who does oh the, yeah. the uh, things like Survivor. The Apprentice and oh, Shark Tank right. and Survivor, like it's that production company. So I mean, this is oh, going to be on a network. So. Wow. But that's, I mean, if if they want to compete for a primetime Emmy instead of MLS Cup, let them. Let yeah. uh, <laughs> our our crew, Lutz and Hackworth can can spend time building a roster to compete for MLS Cup for U.S. Open Cup, and and if they want to be on the red carpet with Mark Burnett. More power to them. Some of these teams make it too easy to uh, dislike them. Yeah, there's just too many things to mock on uh, on a tifo for some of uh, some of these games. Oh my god! Yeah. Know, once we get to once we get the chance to go after other fans with our chance and our tifos, so it's uh, uh, making hey, fun guys. of the team is not tifo material. That's 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 two pole stuff. You can't spend the the amount of time that oh, goes yeah, into that's... painting an entire tifo. You got to save for. For hyping your own club, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's in the stands somewhere. Yes. Yeah. But it's almost I a agree. shame because, I mean, honestly, it's Charlotte. We're not going to be main rivals with Charlotte. They're not going to be one of our one of our fiercest competitors because just proximity, geographic distance. And we're not. We don't have that. We're not going to be put in that uh, position to be with them. So if, if anything happens, it will legitimately be organic, fan driven which you never know if we pick it up and we keep going like this, it could happen. But I, I find it a little bit, I don't know, another sad face where it would be so easy to make fun of them. If they were a rival of ours, Atlanta is set up perfectly for it. So I'm sure that their supporters are just going to take it and run with it. Once they actually become aware, because I doubt they're even paying attention because they've got their first team to focus on. They've got, you know, one of the reasons I think we're even have this on our radar is, we're just chomping at the bit for things right. to be excited about with, with the club and everything going on with the teams around us with no on-field. And we, we don't start for another year and a half. We have this fun stuff to play around with and focus on right now um, before we even start building a roster, hire a head coach. They start play here in a few months, and I don't know when this reality star will make his appearance. So it might be in the middle of the first season. Who knows? Oh, my God. All right, guys, let's wrap it up there. That'll do it. Joe and Matt, thanks again for being on. Thanks for everyone for listening. Remember to follow us on all the socials. 
email us, send us any feedback, ask any questions, name it, um, on cityscreport at gmail.com. If you see us at any social events, come say hi to us. You know, we're here for you guys. This the the program I use to produce these podcasts lets me know how many listen, and it's it's nice to see that a lot do in fact listen. So it would be nice to hear from you. Yeah, email us, come in, say hi. We like to know who you are, and just hear your feedback and um, suggestions, anything. So hey, Steve, real the, quick before we leave, uh, yeah, I think we would be remiss uh, with all the activities going on with City if we. Because we are also Luligans, all of us. And yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't give a shout out to the activities that they have upcoming. So, assuming Thank that, you. assuming we release our podcast sometime this week, they mm -hmm. are having the Thieves, which is the Luligan offshoot um, focused on marginalized support uh, in our community. And they're having a kind of packaging event at Schlafly Tap Room, 9 a.m. on Saturday the 16th, um, to put together. A lot of the the goods that I think they they helped raise um, over the past few weeks, so donations um, mm -hmm. to help. I believe it's helping the homeless who are preparing for the winter. So just making sure they have supplies and and things that they need to get them through safely. So that'll be occurring at Schlafly Tap Room. Follow the thieves on social media for more information. And then um, the night of the 16th, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is another Meet the Luligans event. Um, yes. Also a full kit wanker night at second shift. Um, so follow the Luligans for more information on that. And then and if you've never participated in a full kit wanker night. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is fun just to get to lean into the dressing up in the full kit. Like no grown person should actually go out in public wearing uh, the, the shorts and shirt and socks of a team that you root yeah. for. Uh, so it's just fun once a year to, to just go all out and do it. And, and let everybody look ridiculous together. It's it's great fun going into Halloween yeah, season it, here. And if you don't have anything like that, just wear a soccer shirt and just show up and just laugh at everybody else because it is a good time. Or even, oh. uh, I think they're doing Halloween costume too this year. Since yeah, we, that's we great. We usually do it for games at, as part of a tailgate and game, but since we don't have that, I think it's a combination Halloween costume, full kit wanker. Absolutely. But then there's uh, the other event that um, I'm not quite sure which group organizes. The Luligan Show Up, Make Noise, Thieves, Luligan Ladies. Um, there is a, a community cleanup event going on mm, mm -hmm. the morning of Saturday, October 23rd at Marquette Park in and around the new futsal court, which uh, we didn't even mention that they kicked that off uh, totally forgot weeks ago. Let's do yeah. this whole thing over. Let's restart the podcast. No, record it all. but for real, oh, we though, do need um, to mention it. The futsal court looks great. It's beautiful. It yeah. yeah. The colors yeah. are perfect. Um, they had a kickoff for it. You know, check out our socials for some more information. I tweeted out a little bit of information about that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, join join the Luligans. Join us uh, October twenty third um, at the, I think it's nine a.m. at Marquette Park. Check out the Luligan socials for details. Uh, community cleanup. Just helping out helping out our community and just showing that the supporters and fans of soccer in St. Louis are are working to improve our community and to help soccer be a core component of everything that we do. Well said. Excellent. Totally forgot. No, I'm sorry. Totally, you. totally forgot. But yeah, hopefully um, you all can do that. Unfortunately, I will be out of town that weekend, but um, hopefully you guys can all be there. So Should now I think we, now I think we handled it all. Right. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. So that's it. I think so. That's all guys. Cheers for now, guys. Thanks for being on Joe. 
Good having you again. Take care. Great. Matt, see you, see you. See ya. All right. Cheers, all. Till next time. Bye-bye.